This week on the Indo Daily. I asked her to leave me alone. I felt like she was harassing me and she was insistent that, you know, these were just coincidences. Catherine Martin, she is in favour of scrapping the TV licence and giving money to RT direct from the exchequer. Tonish Michael Martin, dead set against it. No way, not happening. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. If they were O'Driscoll, Morgan, extra man, it's Fitzgerald, oh Fitzgerald is coming back inside! Let's have another! Darcy O'Driscoll oh. through the legs, Rob Carney, out to Fitzgerald again, stamped and scored! Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Independent.ie's Rugby Podcast. I'm Will Slattery, delighted to be joined as always by Luke Fitzgerald. Luke, hello. Will, how are things? Doing well. Another Six Nations weekend uh, in the books. Uh, I enjoyed the, the tweet from the official Six Nations account of uh, legendary father and son pairings in uh, five and Six Nations history. You and your dad made the cut. I did indeed, yeah. I tell you, a lot of my friends were... Uh, Peter Stringer tagged in on the end of it and he had, in fairness, an absolute cracker of a tweet underneath uh, <laughs> um, regarding uh, my weight. It was kind of f- fat shaming me, which was uh, I didn't think that kind of stuff went on nowadays. But um, yeah, no, very, very, very funny. We can uh, make certain exceptions, I think. Yeah, no, but look, I suppose in, to put it in context, I put out the tweet that my father was ashamed of me that I turned out to be a back three player, him having been eight tight heads so um peter has said that well i i think he must have been proud of my efforts to become a props subsequent <laughs> to my retirement so um <laughs> nice of him to say it's always nice to touch base with strings um in fairness very funny but yeah no it's uh it's it's nice it's a nice little thing to have actually in the house it's one of my favorite things in my parents house is my first cap jersey and his first cap jersey not really for any other reason than well, it's obviously a nice achievement, I suppose, but the difference in the jerseys is only <laughs> like it's incredible. So like yeah. they're basically basically wearing a jumper. Um, and I remember him saying to me that when they when he kind of started off, like they had no idea about strength and conditioning. Like they were we always wondered why, you know, and, and look, there certainly is probably a difference in fitness levels, say with New Zealand, for example, they always used to mill us in the last 20 minutes. But uh, they uh, <laughs> They used to be a lot of water. They used to give you gave you cramps. So they'd no water before. Like at halftime, they were like on orange peels and whatever tea or whatever it was. So you can, it's no wonder they were absolutely useless in the last 20 minutes. Well, I was going to say, I don't think Ireland beat Scotland <laughs> once in the entire 90s. And now I'm, I'm understanding why when I hear some of the... Yeah, uh, yeah it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, I was trying to think. I, I couldn't think of any other kind of father-son pairing where there's like a front row and a back three. Like all the other guys were like similar positions, similar kind of almost players in a way. And then it's like, Dead to the straight out front row, Luke Vistrell, back three. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, maybe my try record uh, is the only similarity. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, I suppose my mum was good athlete to see. She was a very good swimmer and she played netball for Ireland as well. So maybe I got a bit a few of her genes in there somewhere. When uh, are we going to get a father-son podcast to discuss the differences between the, the, the 90s and uh, the noughties in terms of international rugby? Uh, I don't know. I, well, he's retired now, so maybe he has a bit of time. I, I, look, I'm always reluctant, and he's always been reluctant to get involved in things like that, to be honest. Um, you know yourself, they're just kind of weird ones. Like, we, <laughs> like we would, we, We'd be very close, but I, I don't know. I'd feel nearly uncomfortable doing that, to be honest. Uh, and subjecting him to you, Will. Uh, <laughs> Grilling him, um, you know, he's, uh, no, I'm sure, look, maybe we'll, we'll revisit it if we're, if we're really stuck. Yes. Uh, we, <laughs> the break glass in case of emergency <laughs> podcast. If, if, you'll know things are bad if he's on, put it that way. Well, uh, in, the, in the meantime, we have a great guest this week, one of our regulars, Keen Tracy, Keen how are things? Hey, lads, enjoying that little trip down memory lane for, for Luke there. I'm all on board, by the way, for that podcast. I think it's a great idea. Yeah, I know. I've been I've been floating it every so often over the years. He hasn't bit just yet, so hopefully, you know, in time, he might he might uh, he might agree to it. I'm willing to give up one of my slots for Des Fitzgerald. Oh, we could. Well, we couldn't we're, do that. Keen slots at this stage. Yeah, uh, Keen, especially like just full disclosure for the listener to my Keen braving the pain barrier. He had a you know big trip to the dentist earlier. He warned me that he might be under the influence of uh, anesthetic, you know, pain killing drugs. So anything really? could come out during this podcast, Keen. Is that fair to say? You couldn't have even said that. Like anything odd then would have just been purely attributed to that. So yeah, that was. I would just let him. <laughs> it was uh, it was looking it was looking dodgy. I'm not going to lie. Like as I was sitting there for 45 minutes in in the chair, like it's such a sad indictment on the way of life at the moment that a trip to the dentist for 45 minutes was seen as a, a day out for me today. Like, it's it's <laughs> fairly pathetic. Yeah, like. You had your hang sandwiches in your flask of tea for your trip uh, to the dentist. Absolutely pathetic. Like, but um, yeah, here now, braving it. I'm just waiting for the the anaesthetic to wear off. So that could be uh, could be interesting once it does. Yeah, and I, I've moved from my regular podcast seat at home, so I'm a little bit thrown off myself today. So if I say anything unusually uh, <laughs> off the cuff, you know, that that's why I've changed my seat. Um, well, guys, well, I suppose we, I've consciously we've talked, obviously, naturally about Ireland and the attack and all that for the last couple of weeks. So we will start there today, but we will try to move on to Wales and England and some of the other storylines, because I know we probably haven't gone into that quite as much over the last couple of weeks, Keen. But I suppose going into that Italy game, top of the checklist, we wanted to see maybe a few more offloads, a more incisive attacking shape, and the defence, a resolute defensive performance. You know, on, on those fronts, how did the team fare overall, do you think? Yeah, like, it was it was pretty good, obviously. I mean, credit where credit's due, they did deliver in that regard. But it's, you know, even when I've been writing about it since since the game on Saturday, like, everything is caveated by the, the fact that Italy were atrocious. And I have to say... You know, I, I was saying in the build-up to the game as well, I know they've made some slight improvements in attack, but that, like that counts for very, very little when you're defensively hopeless, and they were defensively hopeless. It was a perfect game for Ireland. I, I, I described it as a bit of a therapy session, you know. They had the freedom to go out and throw those offloads, to be a bit more incisive in what they were doing, and there is a freedom, and I think they realised that, like, that, you know, there was a freedom in, in doing that against Italy. It was interesting, kind of after the game, like Sex and Farrell were a bit kind of chippy about it, like, you know, when everyone was kind of not dismissing it, but kind of already looking towards Scotland because ultimately that's Scotland and England are much, much bigger tests. But what I would say is, yeah, they, they did what we had kind of hoped they would do. The attack looked much better, but 
like my issue is that if we had seen more signs of that over the last few weeks and then they delivered this performance, I think, you know, we'd feel a lot better about things. But the fact that we haven't really seen a whole pile of it and then all of a sudden it comes out is encouraging on one hand, but it's all well and good doing it against Italy. I thought there was lots of positives. I mean, I think, you know, regardless of the opposition, Johnny Sexton just makes a huge, huge difference to Ireland's attacking shape. Again, I know Italy were poor, but he just pulls the strings so, so well. I'm sure we'll get on to talking about his contract and stuff like that. Um, I thought the team as a whole looked far more dynamic. Um, I thought the back row worked really, really well. Uh, the front row, similarly enough. And I guess what you hope is that it's from a selection point of view that it's not kind of disregarded that, oh, it was only Italy. Like, you'd like to see these guys be rewarded because... I thought Ireland. Oh, which way do you want it? Like you were saying earlier, that it was a good. You know, they were Italy are terrible, and we can't read really anything new. Now you're saying, but we want to, you know, take the good performances from this. Like I'm sure Reese Ruddock would have loved to run out against Italy rather than playing against the French back row. Hundred percent. But I'm kind of maybe thinking of someone like Ronan Keller or Will Connors. Yeah. Um, like Ronan Keller in particular. Like I've been writing about it earlier this week. Like I just think he's the future at hooker. Um, he, he just offers you so so much around the pitch, and no disrespect to Rob Herring, but. He just doesn't offer anything around the pitch and he's he is the best thrower in the squad but Kelleher I think he nailed all but one of his line out throws so like that was a huge positive the set piece was was very good again um so look there were positives but I'm reluctant to kind of go too overboard at the same time yeah, Luke, because it was like interesting afterwards, kind of Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton were pretty bullish on the performance and, and what it meant for the direction of the team. And I think Andy Farrell even said, oh, I think that's, you know, is that a disrespectful question when someone said, well, here, it's just Italy, a terrible Italy team. You know, how much do you take from the from last weekend, realistically? Um, I think it's really difficult. I was surprised how bullish they were after the game. I like, I, look, you do have to respect the opposition. So, of course, they're not going to be disrespectful. But at the same time, um, I did think it was a bit weird that they were kind of like, well, yeah, it, like it looked like there was they they had completely changed their their attack and that they thought everything was fixed. Like uh, the stats are just awful for Italy. Like two yellow cards over the period, eighteen penalties conceded, you know, twenty five missed tackles. Uh I I don't know. Like it was only to, I said it last week. There's only downside with Italy. You just need to get through the thing, and you need to score a few tries. Uh, did they do what we asked? Yeah. Like there was some definitely some attacking fluency. I agree with everything Kean said. Pretty much actually. Um, I thought the you know Johnny Sexton. It's still very very prevalent the difference that he makes. Um, he's look he, he's an excellent rugby player. Like you saw the difference, particularly in his handling ability. Like his like even for the Keith Earls try at the end, the quick hands, like. I saw Drico there during the week saying that he was, you know, we might have retired him early. I don't think anyone has said that. I think the big concern has always been that we just don't see, like, you have, like, we have to look at the numbers in front of us. Like, he mentioned something about finishing games. I've, I have not looked into that stat, but I know that, you know, while he hasn't got injured all the time, they do pull him off early, you know, and I think maybe that is to develop another player, but like, He's coming to an age where we have to start asking the question, like, well, who who's next? Like, who's who who's going to bring this team forward for the next ten years? Um, of course, we've had some positive news of Joey Carberry being back, but it's definitely a concern that there's still such a big gulf there. Um, in terms of what we asked them in the current position, I just come back to that. Um, there was lots of positives. Like, I mean, Kelleher, like, they just can't have Herring there. Like, I just don't. There's such a big difference between the two um, around the pitch. Like, and he needs opportunities to make mistakes in test matches. 
on his throwing. That's the part of his game that needs to be improved. I thought that was really good, by the way. The stats, you know, were, were good in the lineout, very strong again. And it looks like Paul O'Connell certainly made a difference there. Uh, and that'll be big for this team going forward. But Ronan Keller, like, that was great to see that. And he was really, really good. The other two new guys were really good. I thought uh, Baird, very positive. Again, he might, like, you know, that that position that Ty Byrne finds himself is where I probably see the issue being for Baird. But I think long-term, I think six looks like a really good place for him. He's a brilliant athlete. He's great in the air. He offers a huge amount around the pitch. I think that's the future for him. The Ty Byrne kind of role there. Uh, I thought... Ty Byrne was brilliant at six. Great to see him, uh, you know, have such a good game and go so well there. He was excellent. And Casey was brilliant. Casey was superb, I thought. Like, I was really, I really enjoyed watching him work. It was great to hear such glowing uh, talk about him after the game as well. So there's low, there were positives. There absolutely were positives. But to be so bullish after the game, I don't buy it. I'm not going to lie. I don't buy it. That's one that you just tick off the list and say, we got our tries, bit of attacking fluency, all positive. Weather was good, you know. I would probably have liked to have seen them not concede a try, but um, everything else I thought was, was was pretty good. I actually thought the defense was very good. Other, other than that, it was it was good. So uh, that was something that I definitely did want to see. And can they bring that now to a team that will really test them over the period um, and challenge them in the game and not give them so much fun football? Um, that's what we want to see. We want to see some improvement in that area as well. So uh, that was my kind of view on things, Will. Uh, lots of positives, but... Again, as I said, it's really a downside only fixture. So uh, just get through the thing and let's see what let's see what they've got against Scotland. Yeah, Keenan, just one last word, like without belaboring the point, this on the post-match press conference and the lads' reaction, because you would have been there and for listeners and myself who, who wouldn't have kind of just only read about it or heard about it from yourself or Rudd. Like what, what was what was their kind of demeanor and the, the interaction like? Yeah, like it was strange. They definitely I definitely got a sense that, you know. They thought that like people should have been giving them more credit for for what they did, but obviously that's not really our job either. Like we can only judge you know things on its merits. And um, to be fair, the, the kind of quote that you referred to about Andy Farrell kind of saying was it dis, disrespectful? That was a fairly innocent question. It was more kind of you know okay you know you beat Italy handily enough. Italy are pretty poor. You know let's look towards Scotland. And Farrell really wanted to labour on the point, well, we were very good today against Italy and he got a bit chippy about it. But look, I mean, I suppose that's their siege mentality, if that's what they want to call it. And look, if, if they're able to use it to to their advantage going into the next, the last two games, then, then all well and good. But, you know, even the way they lost their way, really, not lost their way, sorry, that's harsh. Um, they kept took their foot off the pedal I thought in the second half I, in the second half it was quite a they, they did they did kind of the third quarter in the last three matches in the Six Nations mm. they've, they've kind of struggled a bit after the break and I thought given the, their dominance especially in the wider challenges and in attack with the back line they, they were tearing them to shreds they kind of went away from that in the second half I thought 100% and I remember I was tweeting about it during the game like if you were like Luke can probably comment on this if you were an outside back in that game in the second half you would have been tearing your hair out because like I found it very frustrating. You're, you're dead right to, to highlight it. Will I totally agree that they had got so much joy out of the kind of the wide game and the offloads in the first half, and then in the second half, they just said, "Okay, let's just smash them up front and try and run over them." Whereas I felt like that was kind of going back into the old ways, which we don't. We've seen that that approach is not going to work against the bigger teams: your France's, your England's, your South Africa's. So I was a bit disappointed that, I mean, they'll point to the fact that they got the job done. They scored a couple of tries 
But I was a bit disappointed we didn't see more from the backs. Obviously, the Keith Earls try in injury time. And James Lowe's try was disallowed. But yeah, like I, I just thought there was plenty more tries on offer there and maybe they were just satisfied with, with what they had. But yeah, like that was the gist of the, in terms of what it was like in the press conference afterwards. But I, like, obviously I'm biased, but I thought the coverage was pretty fair across the board really um, from everyone that great performance, well done. But I mean, no one is buying into the fact that Italy are absolutely atrocious. And there's the, the narrative going around about Italy, like that, you know, I think Franco Smith said that he in five or six years that they'll be able to compete. Like, if you look at the records of Zebra and Treviso, who've, Benetton, who've fallen off a cliff, they haven't won a game in the Pro 14 this season. And they were kind of the great big hope. Like, these players are getting hammered every week. Like, every week they're turning up and getting hammered. Um, so is it like, 30 I just, games in a row? I think it's, is it 30 games in a row they've lost? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy. Like, and, I don't know what the solution is in terms of going forward for the Six Nations, but people aren't going to be going into, you know, overdrive hype that Ireland are after beating a shockingly bad team. Um, so I think they'll they'll have taken a lot out of it, the players, but if we can see some of the stuff that they did against Italy when they play Scotland next week, then it'll definitely have been a worthwhile trip. Yeah, and it looks like they're going to bring in maybe some of the guys who perform well against Italy like for that Scotland game. One guy I'd be interested, Luke, to get your opinion on is Craig Casey, who has been released back to play for Munster this weekend. Conor Murray's been kept uh, in the Ireland squad, which would maybe lead you to believe he'll go with Murray and Gibson Park in, in some order, and maybe Casey won't be involved against Scotland. But I was looking at some of the some of the numbers, and I think it's an interesting parallel to bring up. Is So there's 10 years between Casey and Conor Murray. They're born a day apart in April, but 10 years this time, 10 years ago, Conor Murray was brought into the Munster team, you know, over Tomas O'Leary, over Peter Stringer, two established guys. They backed the young up-and-coming player. They gave him his wings. They took him out. Like, are we at a, are we getting to near that stage with Casey, do you think? He's he's impressed so many people in the opportunities he's gotten. It, it, is, is now the time to back him and give him a bit of ownership, either at Munster in a big game coming up, you know, they could have a Pro 12 final or they could have a, a Champions Cup last 16 tie or against Scotland or, or England. Am I am I getting ahead of myself? Because for me, looking at the progression that he's made over the last while and the form Conor Murray's in better form, but not 2018 form maybe, I, I think it's not a ridiculous thing to suggest maybe now is the time to give him a bit more game time in a starting role. Um. He'll certainly need that. He needs that. Uh, I still think that Murray's age profile, he gets the World Cup no problem. So that's everything from my mind is World Cup. So um, I think it should be on who, who who's playing better for the team. That was a wrong call with Murray at the time. It was a wrong call, uh, particularly at the World Cup. Like Owen Redden got the biggest shafting of all time there. Um, and Murray, we know, grew into the player and you know, that, you know that that we always want that he like I mean that that someone saw from miles away, but that was wrong. It was the wrong call for about two three years. It was a big shafting um, on Redden, who was playing brilliant stuff for for Leinster. Um, so, and I think maybe the team suffered a little bit at that point. Even though Murray's like an unbelievable player, like we and he we know he came. He he went to a period where he was probably the second best from half of the world for for a very long period of time behind Aaron Smith for me. Um, 
So yeah, like it, it, that decision may have helped that at that time, but it was a real shafting at the time for people who are more established and in a better position and playing better. Um, so don't know if I thought, I thought that was a crazy call at the time. Um, not so much for Munster, by the way. Sorry, but for Ireland it was. Um, for Munster, yeah, like that. Uh, Craig Casey does need time there, but I still think you know they're at a point where they need to win a trophy. Like I just don't think that they're, they're going to pick the best guy, and they should do that. Because well, so my point being is that is he, he like I think he could he could well be the best guy at, at if this he's point. The best guy you pick him if he's the yeah. best guy you pick him. Simp, that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm not okay. saying elevate him for just the sake of elevating. I'm yeah, saying yeah, now yeah. he is he is on form. I think worthy of a starting spot. That was just a last parting shot from Kidney at, at Redden. They just, there was just never, whatever way Kidney, it just, he, it just, Redden never sat well with Kidney. I don't know why. We never understood it. It was, it was absolutely bizarre. Um, and no one got that one. But uh, even that aside, um, for Munster, the best player needs to play. They need to win a trophy uh, this year or next year. They uh, that otherwise that project is under serious pressure. So they pick the best guy. If he's playing better, he should play. I think he's shown that he's up to the level. He's definitely the future there. You know, four or five years time. Um, the question is, is who's playing better? I think what he will do is he's a different type of scrum half. So he's going to get time in there, and that's always going to be the argument. Like he won't be going anywhere because he'll get thirty minutes, forty minutes. He'll get a game where Murray's injured. He's always going to get that because he looks like he's well able for the level. And he gives you something different if you need to change up the pace of the game. So uh, I wouldn't be so worried. I don't think he's going to go anywhere. But um, yeah, like he'll need game time. And I think he'll get that at Munster. Um, best player should play. Yeah, King, because I suppose as Luke said, uh, the change of pace thing is talked about a good bit, like oh, bring on the injection of pace. But why can't we start with the injection of pace and then bring on Connor Murray to kind of, you know, to win the, you know, kind of see the game out with a, be a slower pace. Like, what do you think? Like, do you think Craig Casey's performing to a level that it would be justifiable to start him for Munster in a big game, for Ireland in a big game, over Conor Murray and Gibson Park in an Irish context? Yeah, like, I, I think I'd start by saying I thought Gibson Park played quite well um, at the weekend. And, you know, you talk about upping the pace. Like, Gibson Park pretty much did that against Italy from the start. Um, on Casey, I would probably not go back on what I said earlier in that are we jumping to conclusions based off you know what he did off the bench against a poor Italy team who were really tiring at that stage now to go back to the Munster point I think I think your argument definitely stands up for him to start in a big Munster game he hasn't obviously done that yet so I'm not sure if we can go off um, whatever it was 20 minutes off the bench um, against Italy but there's absolutely no doubt about this guy's quality Um, like Back when I was covering the Munster Schools um, Cups, Junior and Senior Cup, I remember um, covering Craig Casey when he was playing Junior Cup with with Art Scudderish, and like that's obviously a good few years ago now at this stage. But like even back then, you could see that like this kid like was really really good. Um, you know, it's his vocal approach as well, which won't really come across on on TV. But particularly having been at games. Um, behind closed doors over the last while. Like when Craig Casey is warming up behind the post, you can hear him like, you know, roaring and shouting. And I think that's one of the reasons why Johnny Sexton came out and, you know, compared him to, to Johnny Wilkinson, because he's gone into the Ireland camp and he hasn't been overawed at all by it. You know, he hasn't retreated into a shell. By all accounts, he's still that kind of, you know, chatty guy around the place. And I think 
Luke would be able to expand in this better, I'd imagine. But I think senior senior players respect that when a guy comes in, you know. And there's obviously a fine line between being arrogant and like self assured. And Casey is like ultra self assured, you know. Obviously, comes from good stock. Mossy Lawler's nephew, his dad, Jer, like heavily involved in Shannon rugby. But like, yeah, like he, he is the future, but I would be very much of the opinion that the future like doesn't have to be in four or five years, five, five years time either. Like, I mean, Conor Murray has a hamstring injury. We don't know. Like, I wouldn't necessarily agree with your point, Will, that just because Casey has been released this week that he won't be involved against Scotland because he was released last week to play in the Cardiff game or the, the game before the Cardiff game. Um, and he ended up getting on the bench, which... I would have thought that, you know, the squad that was kept together was going to make up the bulk, but you had the likes of Jack Conan, Ryan Baird, Craig Casey, who all forced their way in. So I wouldn't see it as a foregone conclusion. If Casey starts this week um, against Connacht and goes well, like, I mean, I'd say there's an argument for keeping him on the bench, at least uh, for that Scotland game. And, you know, like just on the Munster point, and Luke mentioned it, like with Joey Carberry coming back, if you think like of Munster having like Orgy Snyman is on the way back as well. You'd have Snyman and you'd have Craig Casey, um, Joey Carberry and Damien Dialende. And then obviously the rest of the Irish backs, like that totally changes the, the complexion of what Munster are able to do in terms of pace. And we've seen more evidence that that's what they're looking to do. And that's apparently what Ireland are looking to do under Mike Cat as well. And if you want to play with tempo, then Craig Casey, like that, that's his game. I've been a bit frustrating a couple of games this season that, you know, particularly early on in the season, there was one or two games where he was just box kicking a lot. And to me, it looked like that that was the game plan that was being asked of him. There's no point in playing Craig Casey if you want him to be Conor Murray and be like an expert box kicker. That is not his game. If you're going to play him, you've got to play to his strength. So I really like the idea of him staying in the squad for the Scotland game, to be honest, because that's what I meant about my point about like, taking into account that you were poor if guys are, t- are taking their chance when they're getting in a test level you want to see a reward for that particularly under the previous regime under Joe Schmidt that didn't happen an awful lot that guys weren't rewarded for form so and to be fair I think Farrell has like by and large pretty much done that so it would be great to see him um, getting another chance for sure No, oh, yeah I take your point that you know maybe Maybe it's not a foregone conclusion. I was just reading between the lines, possibly wrong. Um, yeah, you mentioned it earlier, Keen. Uh, I'll put this to you, Luke. Obviously, Johnny Sex in the news today confirmed finally, or was it yesterday? I can't remember. Yesterday, they, all blend, yeah. they all blend together now. Uh, he signed a one-year contract extension, uh, central contract. Um, what, do you, what do you make of it? Yeah, that was great news. I mean, like he's still playing great. Uh, he's still our best player at 10, which is, I think, you know, Close to nine has been the, you know, both of them are, are very, very important positions on the pitch. So he's still a difference maker. Uh, he's a great character, uh, good around the squad. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic news. I was delighted to see him to, to see him stay on. Uh, interesting to see what happens the year after, probably, but um, or probably more interesting to see what happens with the next one. But um, yeah, look, I think he's well able. I'm sure like he's at that stage now where the RFU would just start giving him the one years. Um, provided he wants to stay or doesn't want to move his family. Um, so, yeah, I thought it was good news. I thought it was good news all around. I think it makes sense for, for the RFU to keep him on for another year. Uh, you know, I think it makes sense for him to be here because I think, you know, obviously, I think he'll make it to the World Cup, no doubt. Um, and, um, yeah, it's just a matter of, 
you know, who's playing the best at the time. I, I, I presume he still thinks that's going to be him. And uh, to, 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 to date, there's been no evidence to uh, no evidence against that, that, that belief that he has in himself. So uh, I was delighted to see it. Um, yeah, it's great. Yeah, Keena, you know, you wrote a piece about it. Uh, and I think you were you broadly similar to what Luke Point Luke made there, I think. Yeah, like, I mean, I, I can understand the, the, the calls for, you know, starting the process. And I do think that, that it was potentially a missed opportunity to give a younger guy a chance against that poor Italian team. But if you look at it from Farrell's point of view, he needed a win. He needed a performance. He needed Who a we win. Play? <laughs> of course he did. Jeez, he was loving that win. Did you look how badly he needed it? He was going on about it enough afterwards. <laughs> exactly. But, but, I mean, you can understand it from his point of view. If, if Ireland were in a... You know, if they won their first couple of games or at least one of them, there might have been a bit more scope to give someone else a try. Look, like I agree with Luke. Like He's still Ireland's best 10. I mean, he was never really likely to get more than a two-year deal up to the World Cup. That wouldn't make financial sense or sense from his point of view, given his record. I mean, I think it makes sense to give him another year and review the situation next year. Like, if Johnny Sexton is Ireland's starting out half at the World Cup, like that would be a major, major concern, I think, because like what would he be 38 by then? Like you really want to see someone else being, I think, the 10 at that stage. But I would agree, like there's no like there's no point in showing him towards the exit door when someone else isn't in place and ready to go. And who knows, his role could change over the next like, you know, by the time the World Cup comes around. Like you mentioned, Will, about Connor Murray coming off the bench. It could be Johnny Sexton coming off the bench. I think the big issue like if we're going to call a spade a spade is Ireland are waiting for Joey Carberry to, to get back fit. They're waiting for Harry Byrne to come through. It's abundantly clear now that neither Ross Byrne or Billy Burns are going to be Ireland's next long-term out half. That might sound a bit harsh, but I, I just don't believe that either of those guys are going to be it. So it makes sense to, you know, give Carberry that time to come through. And I think all things being equal, you know, Carberry will hopefully be Ireland's starting out half come come the World Cup. Obviously, he's got a bit of a journey to go on himself now. But you know, we saw Sex and how he kind of reacted to to Carberry, You know, a couple of years ago down in Toma Park over Christmas, and that probably got the best out of Sex and too. So, like, I agree with Luke as well in terms of like he's never been about pace, Johnny Sexton. So like, that's not a big concern in, in, given his age now, but you look at his sharp, his speed of passing, his speed of thought, like that's all still blatantly obvious. And it's so important. He kicked eight out of eight as well. Like, I mean, just like it was an added sort of bonus to the performance, but, and I agree like that you were saying like Jack Carty or Ross Byrne might've enjoyed like, you know, a, a game in the Stadio Olimpico in the sun as well. But I still feel like Sexton gives you more than, than any of the two current out halves in the squad. So from the IRFU's point of view, why would they why would they cut him loose? I guess now it, it doesn't make any sense. Um I know people will probably disagree with that, particularly in the financial sort of climate at the moment. But who knows if there's been a hit to the salary, you know, most people are taking a hit to the salary in, in Irish rugby at the moment. But I think it's 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 good. I think it's not to dismiss the, that Ireland needs to future plan, like what's coming down the line. But for now, I think I think it made sense to keep sexing on. Oh, yeah, I agree. It'll be interesting to see, obviously, if Joey Carberry stays fit and if there's maybe even a summer tour, what, what options they, they look to go to there. Maybe to move on to the other games, obviously, Wales-England was the big one, Luke, over the weekend. Wales, 3-3, three three, triple crown winners. I think 
what they would they were twelve to one or something to win the triple crown at the start of the Six Nations. So not many people gave them much of a chance. Benefited obviously, like they did the first two weeks from massive stroke of fortune with two very very dubious refereeing decisions. Um, but like, do you look at Wales and think they're just the beneficiaries of these kind of red cards and calls, or do you look at them and say bit of that, but also they went out and they took it and they've shown something like it? In terms of the rugby side of it, away from the, the strokes of luck, what are you looking at? Yeah, like they certainly like they scored forty points. <laughs> like, uh, I don't. I mean, I, I mean, look, I know one of them was kind of, um, could you say fortuitous, but it was probably down to pressure as well. Um, uh, no, they, they've been good. They've hung tight in there. Um, they've won a few games they shouldn't have won. I think Ireland looked like we just don't know enough about the Ireland one. If I'm being honest, um, I think Scotland should have beaten them, um, but they were better than England. They they're growing in confidence. Uh, I thought some of the attacking rugby was really, really good. Uh, they were very physical. They matched England, I thought, very well. Um, and they were alive for the opportunities, even though, like, clearly they were they were refereeing errors. Um, and if you're alive for them, you know, that's that's well played. That's good, that's good play to my mind. Like, you can only play, um, you know, the, the game that's in front of you. They were in the moments and they took advantage of them. Um, obviously, you know, very poor from the referee, but uh, yeah, I thought they were good. Will like, I, they look, they look fit. They look like they're up for the fight. They look like they've got a bit of momentum behind them. They're playing with a little bit of confidence. It always makes them dangerous, um, and they still have a few very, very high quality players. Um, I would say Alan Wynne Jones. People talking about Itoje being the Lions captain. Now, I know I rubbish that. Well, my view on it was that I rubbish that as an as as. Uh, uh, as something to even consider um, for for the, for the Lions, but Alan Jones has been playing unbelievable rugby every week. Like he is still, I think he's still the best second row in the competition. I thought he was brilliant against Ireland as well. He was outstanding. Um, with obviously you know notable mentions to James Ryan and Atoje, who are both brilliant players. Now Atoje had a, had a game to, rem- to to forget on the weekend in terms of his discipline, but. Um, Wales look good. They look like they're going to be hard to beat. Um, and I'm, I, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, inter- I'm interested to see if they can finish things out now. They've had a few good, they've had a few bounces of the ball, but there'll be one against them as well. That's just, you can't keep getting the rub of the green on this. So can they fight their way through that? Do they have the belief to go on and, and do that? Um, all signs point to yes at the moment, actually. But um, would I have said that uh, having watched the Irish game? I certainly would have. And I'm surprised they're in this position. Um, what has been surprising, and we probably should discuss it, is probably England and how poor they've been. Um, uh, like they didn't play, they weren't playing well um, in the autumn. Um, we had mentioned that. Uh, it was why I thought maybe they might struggle to to beat us in the last game. I still think I, I still thought Ireland and England would, would be the two at the top of the table at the end of the competition. I thought we might edge them out. Um, I based that on poor performances, but I thought that they'd be able to lift it for Six Nations. They've been really poor. They look really flat at the moment. I don't know whether it's something to do with the Saracens contingent. Um, I can't put my put my finger on it. I'm sure Eddie uh, Eddie Jones is the same. Um, I thought their discipline was atrocious at times. Um, really didn't help themselves, and uh, their defence for them was poor. Like it doesn't have that suffocating feel to it. I can't. I don't know why that. What something has changed there. I can't. I don't know why that is. I still think it's a big error to play George Ford at ten, even though he's a lovely player. Um, Farrell is not a 12 and he didn't really show on the weekend but he's a brilliant 10 I know they said their attack wasn't as fluid but um, they're really missing Tuolagi 
it, it, when when they're missing too laggy, they you're guaranteed go for it. Even though I would have Slade in the team every time. I love Slade as a player, but I certainly do not think Farrell is the answer at 12 for them. I just don't. Uh, I think it's a mistake for them to do that. Um, and I think that's showing a little bit for them. And I think the pack is playing is is not, the defence from the pack is, is not where it was before. Um, and yeah, that's where, that, sorry, just as I know we I kind of di- diverged a little yeah, bit there, just, just Just on England, like you, you look through the team and you're thinking like, so they've lost from the World Cup, they've lost like a George Cruz, Johnny Hill's come in, hasn't played well, has given away some very stupid penalties. Sam Underhill is injured, Mark Wilson, Good, dogged player, but nowhere near the, the player Underhill is. Billy Vunapola hasn't played any rugby. He's not fit. You have Sam Simmons, European Player of the Year, not even in the squad. Crazy. Tearing up trees for Exeter. Even Alex Dombrand for Harlequins, playing very well. Another inform number eight. Then you go to the back line. Obviously, Tuolaghi's a huge loss. Out half, Farrell's not in great form. You have someone like Joe Simmons, double winning out half for Exeter. has never even got a cap, not even the squad e- either. You know, Ollie Lawrence, the way he was treated, got two touches of the ball against Scotland, discarded out of the match day squad against Italy when he could have built some confidence. It's just, yeah, it's just a bit like Jones is kind of prone to, you know, bouts of odd man management and odd selection. It's kind of been a hallmark of his entire career, even when he's had great success. And like, Keen, I don't know what you make of it looking in. Like, I just feel like he, he, he's gone with his loyal guys that have delivered for him and they're not firing. Billy Vunapoldo admitted himself that he has, he's been playing poorly. Now, having said that, they were shafted by the officials at the weekend. I think they would have won that game if those those calls were made correctly. Do you think they win the game? Sorry, Keane, to interrupt. Well, like by by the by the end, Wales were absolutely killing them. But like the the, the, the halftime talk, like that's fourteen points in the first half. Like England probably go in ten clear. Like mm. no, yeah. no, I, like that's yeah, what, that, that was my read on it. Like I thought Wales were in the game from those two mistakes. I thought well, in the first clear, half. like they had a penalty in front of the posts for one of them. So they're not. That's one of them that that's not def, that's not a definite certainly. Like you're taking away. So say it's three. Sorry, yeah, ten points for eleven points from their total. Like you know, in the first half, ah, you know, it's hard to it's hard to, to project yeah. what would have happened, but but certainly, I, I you know, the two calls in the first half. It's worth it's worth talking about them. I think. I mean, they were shocking, like absolutely shocking. They and like this this has been an issue. I think for a while, the standard of refereeing at the moment is not good, and. It is interesting to hear Luke mention there, Adam and Jones for for the Lions captain, which is slightly getting off a different point for me here. But like, it was very noticeable to me watching the the Ireland game how the ref um, was a it was Reynal Matthew Reynal had absolutely no time for Johnny Sexton and the, the 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 dealings between them like and I don't think it was Sexton's fault at all. I actually thought he handled himself fine, but there's obviously previous there between them you can only imagine but it was just very curt it just wasn't the way you normally hear the captain speaking and then you had a similar sort of thing in the England game with Gauzair and Owen Farrell and it was kind of you know I think that's an issue at the moment where the way like referees and kind of captains are sorry just to to cut do you think that's a directive because it's interesting I don't don't know I think just just to come in on that question like I know there was a, a a PowerPoint presentation circulated to referees and Brendan Fanning wrote a piece about it and there was a, a line in it like don't explain your decisions like you know you you make the decisions like don't get in a dialogue you're not there to like you know barter with the players over potential decisions I'm obviously adding in this kind of uh, I'm like you know subtext but like in, it was like no don't kind of explain don't get in a back and forth like it was kind of just make the decision and move on 
I think that's a very dodgy road to, to go down personally. Like, Certainly with the captain. The captain should be entitled, like Owen Farrell there. Now, he was kind of running over and getting really animated, but like the, the captain has to be able to, to query things and to have a dialogue. That's that's one of the good things about the sport and the way it's officiated, I would have thought. I like I would reckon if you put any captain in there, like an Alwyn Jones or Rory Best, I'm just thinking the two guys who were like really calm, and I think anyone would have lost their cool with, with how that try was allowed when Farrell was told to go back and to talk to his team. Like that's crazy. And I think it's a it's a really dodgy line to go down if you're not explaining your, your decisions to like rugby is, is so complex like that the captain should be able to relate to the team so that they don't make the same mistakes again. And I think you know, we saw such a similarities between the way that the two French refs um, dealt with Sexton and Farrell. And that that is an issue. And I think, you know, that that's going to be an issue for that has to be taken into consideration, whoever you're talking about as the Lions captain. And Alan Jones is such a steady hand in that and his dealings with the refs are good. So it could actually come down to, to something like that. But the standard of refereeing has been pretty poor. The England-Italy game a few weeks ago was like... It, oh it was incredibly bad. I think it was it was Mike Adamson was the ref. It was but what jumps out to me bad. what jumps out to me in that case and the one at the weekend for the the re summit knock on is it's not as if like one ref is missing something in real time. They're gathering together three people on the pitch and someone in a boot and they're watching these incidents through. I'm thinking of the tackle on by own Farrell on uh, the Italian scrum half and the knock on that they miss and they're talking it all through and someone's offering up a wrong decision and they're all just like yep yep yeah it's like nodding away it's like but we're all watching the same thing aren't we like i i don't see how there you know there's a meeting of the minds four people and not one person's like hold on a second like there seems to be a reluctance to upset the apple cart in those situations like one person comes in with one opinion and it's kind of like okay we have to go with that now we can't really be like you're completely wrong there mate that's, I guess that's the issue that football has at the moment with, with VAR in that they don't want people to hear the, the conversations that are going on between the TMO and the ref because they're obviously explaining it. But like something that I was thinking about lately is like, is it just me or is like lots of refs seem to be TMOs now? And like, was that always the case or like, was a TMO not a sort of specific role? Like they might've been like ex-refs or whatever. Like, because I think the ref or the TMO at the weekend was Alex Ruiz, wasn't it? Um, for the the Wales England game, and I'm like, I'm just thinking, like, are TMOs had they always been refs, or were, were they not a sort of a separate kind of kind of role? I think I I might from what I remember, I think they oftentimes they're refs who might be losing the legs sometimes, like mm. an older ref, and actually it seems like it would be a sensible way to go about that. Because, you know, calmer head, more experienced, you'd like to think, you know, very, you know, while they can't do the distance, they might have a better appreciation for the game and the rules the older they get. Uh, like, I would be, uh, yeah, may, like. I agree, I, I agree with that point, but then I'm like, that was a clear knock on by Reece Samet. Like, why do we need an older ref to be like, you know. Mm. That, sorry, I, I, that to my mind wasn't. Uh, uh, I'm not sure. I, I don't know if that's as clear cut as you say. I did. I looked at that a few times. I didn't think that was the worst decision. I thought the the, the way. No, I didn't. I, I I didn't honestly believe that was spoken like a spoken like a, a winger there. <laughs> I wasn't sure. Sorry, I, that one didn't upset me. The one that upset me was the the conversation and the dismissal of Owen Farrell. Um, you know, after the try, particularly when he had told him to go back, talk to his team. And again, against the rules, there was there was water there was water boys on the pitch. Like, you can't have that. Like, you can't have that. Like, that's actually so when he pointed even that out, 
like it was just dismissed completely out of hand like it was like you know that's it decision done like that's not right like you have to now i will say you still should be able to approach the referee quite calmly but you could see why he was animated he was like i need to get this information into him quickly because he looks like he's given this try like you would, you <laughs> he, was the, he was the, he was the one who told him to go back and to talk to his teammates like do you know what i mean yeah. like it wasn't like it wasn't like farrell said oh i'll talk to the team here we'll <laughs> yeah. just have a little break like that yeah, that's why that's why i enjoyed it the most <laughs> no but even that aside, if you, you know we're, we're talking about like being calm with the referees like at that point he's kind of given the try you'd be like it's very very hard to to not mm. say whoa hang on don't just give that and let him kick it like let's have a th- let's talk about this so i could see why he was kind of a little bit going you told me to do this, you know, he was, and he was quite animated with him. Um, but like, obviously at that point you're panicking. You're like, don't give the second try. Hang on. We need to talk about this. hundred um, percent. That's what I mean about like the Adam and Jones and Rory best, like too, like really calm guys. Anyone would have, would have lost their head there. But like the TMO, the TMO has to be, I don't know if brave is the right word. Cause that's like their job description, but they have to be able to step in when they feel like, you know, this is not the, the right decision. Cause I go back to that Italy England game. There were so many poor calls in that game, mostly against Italy, but like the TMO has to be strong enough to go, no, like that's not, and it doesn't, I take your point, um, Will, that doesn't have to be an older, more experienced, like ex-ref, you just have to be strong and go call it as it is and not as second guessing yourselves, which I feel like there's a lot of going on at the moment. Yeah, no, we could talk about this all all night and go over some of the various decisions. Just before we finish up, guys, last thing I want to cover, it was touched on there, Mara with Jay Luke, you know, such a good player, but in the Scotland game and then again at the weekend, it's just a penalty machine, like, and so many, like, he's lucky to not even get a card, so he's kind of taking after someone like Richie McCaw in that regard, but it's a funny one because you hear, like, it you know, or playing on the edge, that's part of his game. But to my mind, there's a difference between playing on the edge and then just giving away, like, stupid penalties. Like, there's definitely a happy medium between being that kind of player where you skirt the laws and then just being a penalty machine and killing your team. Uh, he, do you know what? I, he's one of those players that you hear lots of people saying, his teammates be like, oh, you know, he's one of those players that if he's playing with you, you love him, we playing against him, you hate him. Like, I actually just look at that thing and I just, I've been looking at him for a couple of years, particularly in the Leinster matches. And I'm thinking he's offside all day. He's doing crazy things like that. He's been getting away with for a long time. Now, whether that's because he's viewed as a brilliant player or not, I don't know, but I think this is kind of like, to my mind, this is come up for all that stuff. Like eventually it's come up, like eventually someone's actually refereeing him. Um, uh, that would be my view on this. I think he's been getting away with a phrase. He doesn't need to do this. He doesn't need to be that on the edge. He's a brilliant player. He can make massive impacts without playing on the edge. Um, sometimes, and I look at, I look, I think James Ryan is very good at this. Um, I think Alan Wynne Jones is very good at this also. Uh, you, sometimes it's just getting it, it's all, you don't have to get the massive win every time. You just, if it, like what I'm looking at is for players getting a small win all the time that don't give away penalties. Like that, to my mind, that's a neat and tidy player, but also has a massive impact over the course of a whole game. And of course, opportunities will present themselves where you can make a big play, but you have to pick and choose them well. And that was always, in my in my opinion, was what made McCall great and what made him actually someone who you're kind of saying, well, yes, of course, he, he does play on the edge, but he actually is more often than not, you know, he gets small wins. He's not always looking for the massive one. When the massive play comes, he can execute. And he's usually, you know, look, he, those can be borderline plays, but generally he got those right too. Um, I just think Toje maybe, you know, is is looking for the big win all the time, the big play. That's not what sports is about at the top level. It's about getting small edges. 
watch Alan Jones next next time you see him. He's always he drives you half a meter back further. He you know everything is just a, a half a yard slower, but he doesn't you know leave. He doesn't get himself in bad positions or he doesn't give away the penalty. He's a great player to me and has had longevity because of that. Um, so I thought it's kind of been coming for a while, and he does need to have a look at his game, even though in the public arena, Eddie Jones did defend him. Because let's face it, he's a superb athlete. He's a brilliant player. Um, but he like look, it's it's a it's a nice little wake-up call for him, I think, because he's been really poor uh, discipline-wise. And he's letting his team down because they need a big lift in there uh, at the moment. They need someone to carry them through because the Saris guys, they just don't look themselves yet. And they're key players for them. So uh, you'd have to think that's how you'd hope that from an England perspective that that's a temporary, but in the meantime, he needs to be the lift. Yeah, oh, I'm sure he'll be unbelievable against Ireland as always. He always just <laughs> says his best for that. Keane, referees him. <laughs> yeah, Keane, I'll give you the last word before we wrap up on on, on a soldier. Yeah, like it, just what Luke said there, not when referees um ref him. I think it'd be very interesting to see how. It, like it's become a big topic of discussion this week. I wonder, like, are refs going to be even more focused on him now going forward? And I agree, like, he does play the game on the edge, but it is a fine balance because if you take him too far away from that edge, I mean, he's still a great player, but it is part of what what makes him what makes him the player he is. But like, you can't have like what was it five or six penalties he conceded? I don't know how he didn't end up getting getting a yellow card. Like, what player like concedes that many penalties and doesn't? Um, get a yellow card but yeah like you'd wonder how much of it is down to like I know he's played what a couple of games now but like lack of match sharpness because uh, like we've talked so much about the the step from Pro 14 to Champions Cup and Champions Cup up to to test level like the Saris players haven't played rugby at all and while they're great players like to my mind both of the Vunipolas look off the pace um, I think Owen Farrell has been nowhere near his best Satoje obviously as he talked about and to me England kind of remind me of Ireland in 2019 it just looks a bit stale I think they need um, a few of the guys that you touched on Will um, your likes your Don Brands the Simmons brothers not saying make wholesale sweeping changes but just one or two guys into that squad or into that team I think could really shake it up and yeah like it, it reminds me of Ireland and maybe not being stuck stuck with the same guys who've delivered in the past and regardless of how well they're playing so like you said you're imagining that the last game of six nations they'll all be absolutely firing and you know it'll be it'll be classic england but yeah we'll wait and see yeah no it'll be interesting to see if eddie jones makes any changes and if the officiating improves and what team i'll pick for scotland but in the meantime luke keen thanks so much for joining me here as well cheers lads that's all we have time for this week on The Left Wing. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another podcast. And in the meantime, you could subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or listen on independent.ie. So until next week, thanks for listening and goodbye. Bye.